So who are the ones who are listed to speak first? Raise your hand. So, so please, you guys start. And uh, um, when you notice that your, uh, your mind has drifted and you're off on a storyline, uh, before uh, coming back to uh, practice, uh, is there anything you specifically recommend? Uh, เสอามะทุกขินะอุสิยะตะคุคุโลคายินดาชิลาเอ่อตุยตุยนิมันติดาเอ่ออายุจิตุยนิมันติดตัวอายุจิตุยะตัวสนันติดาตุยนิเดต
to be aware of thinking mind rather than the story that you're thinking about. Once you recognize that thinking mind is the object, not the story, that thinking mind is, once you come to grips with that, he says then you can always recognize thinking mind and not sort of get sucked into the story more easily. Yeah. He says the more you practice this, the easier it becomes to recognize thinking and not get sucked into the story. So you are seeing thinking as an object. You are taking it as an object. Um, my experience of thinking as an object is different than other objects. Mm -hmm. With other objects, the knowing mind can be aware of them as they progress. Whether I'm seeing something and hearing, it continues and I can be aware of it as it continues. But as soon as I'm aware of a thought, uh, the thought stops. It's like um, it's like the mind can't do two things at once. It can't yeah. think and be aware of the thought. Yeah, he says this happens with very gross level thoughts. Um, there are subtle, there, there are layers of thinking in our mind and at a subtler level there, is, there, is, there are thoughts that go continuously working and we may not notice them like even in awareness, you know, they're always telling us what to do next. You might be planning something. You might have something that's important in your life, you have to plan for the future and stuff like that. It can go on in the background of your mind all the time. But that's not a gross level thought. A gross level thought is something that sort of comes up quite randomly and strongly. Um, and then that, yes, he says you can be aware of it and it just stops. <laughs> At a subtler level, there are thoughts that um, sort of, how do you put it, they, they do everything we do. So it's almost like we are all the, that, that thinking directs. So even in awareness, you think about being aware and therefore you are aware and then you and then the mind thinks about what to do next and then you do the next thing and then and then you might be they might be commenting about the experience and that's a, another that's a subtle level you know so all these subtle levels of just um naming your experience deciding what to do next all that is thinking as well but it's subtler and you can't stop that sort of thinking yeah no, no i know you can't stop that kind of thinking yeah. but because it keeps but it's like it's a new 
It's a new thought. As soon as I seem to be aware that I'm thinking, yeah. whatever triggered that stops, yeah. then something else starts. Yeah. Well, are, are you supposed to be able to continue to be aware of the same thought? Is that? So there's two possibilities. One is that the thought isn't very important. So when you are aware of it, it stops. If it was an important thought, then even if you were aware of it, it would continue. The other possibility is that uh, there's too much energy in the awareness. There's too much focus, so it sort of like zooms into the thought, and so it sort of blots it out. He says, when we observe thinking mind, um, we want to learn about thinking mind. We want to learn about the nature of thinking mind. You know, um, the nature of that thinking mind could be um, skillful or unskillful. Um, it could be to understand that thinking mind is an object, thinking mind is nature, or thinking is mind. You know, there, there are different aspects of that experience that you can understand. And we want to learn that, that's why we're looking at that. It's not to stop thinking or to have it go away or be something else. Losing that understanding. So what we want is to gain some understanding into the nature of thinking when we observe it. <coughs> is that all right? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, could, we, could we continue with the discussion of um, gaining insight into thinking. Um, you were just describing three different ways of looking at thinking as, a, as, a, a, as an object or as nature or as yes. thinking. Yes. And um, can, can we talk about that a little bit more? Like how, how, how that in, is the investigation through a combination of experience and questioning? It's a realization. It's a realization that comes through observation. Observation, yeah. 
ที่ที่เราเรียนรู้ไม่เอาเลยเราไม่เอาเลยนะฮะแต่พอเป่าอย่างมาเราเรียนรู้แต่พอเป่าจีบเราไม่เอาเราจะไม่ใช่ไม่
body sensation, feeling, relationship So when you're in the process of um, investigating something like a thought process, it's very useful to, if you can, notice the relationship, the entire relationship between the thoughts, the feelings they generate, and the sensations in the body. See them all at once to see how they're interacting with each other. That's the cause and effect and the awareness as well. Then the cause and effect relationship of all this becomes more clear. Yeah, then you can see that it's just a process you know, that feeds itself in a cause effect chain. It's like you smell something and it makes you feel hungry, then you salivate and then you, know, then you want to eat. Yeah. But who did that? It's just a process. Some of the stories in that example, like the smell is not important, or the story is not important. All that's important to think about, or not to think about, to be aware of is the to reaction. recognize is the the, yeah, the pattern or the process. Angry say people, angry do people see ma, do it kushi ani. Judgment ma shi, a judgment ma la, a now a feeling ni ma la. Wrong view ma. Wrong view, wrong. He says, for example, an angry thought. Before we start, we begin on an angry thought, something else feeds the angry thought. There is some prior thinking or judgment that decides something, which then puts the mind on the path of an angry thought rather than a wholesome thought. You know, it starts with the wrong view and then the decision that this is um, pleasant or unpleasant for me or good or bad, the mind judges this is no good or something, and then it goes But most often we don't recognize the wrong view. Um, it's only when we're already doing the angry thinking that we recognize something is happening in our experience. So knowing a process means that we recognize all the little things that happened, you know, in a chain leading up to the present. When there is one sense experience or any sense experience, the mind immediately says something all the time, this is true, and and from that one thought about the sense experience, there is a chain of of thought processes that, that lead to something else. And often we're not aware of all this. <laughs> Yeah. 
He says, for example, um, our level of awareness is such that usually we say we come across an object, maybe a person, and then the next thing you know, you're angry. So this person made me angry. But we, what we don't see is the chain of little things that happen in our own mind. So there's this object, and then what did the mind say about the object? And then what was the interaction? What was the feeling? What was the chain of events in the mind that led to the angry thinking? So when we don't see that, then it's just two things for us. So that's what he, he got. So we make a wrong judgment. We believe that this person made me angry, whereas there is a process that leads to anger, and that process is not that person. Yeah. Mm. I want to uh, express my gratitude first for being here. I feel very blessed for being here. Um, I, I have several questions actually. I was uh, reading, um, making notes about what I was aware of while meditating. Um, um, when he was talking about um, feeling, uh, feelings uh, can become, and emotions can become uh, objects. Yes. So, for example, uh, in what happens to me often is that I'm meditating and I'm aware of my body, I'm aware of sensations, and then I become aware of sadness, of a, of a feeling, of an emotion. So then I start investigating. It's not a thought that, that um, is bringing up the sadness or the emotion. It's something, that, it's something that it's there, and I start investigating where it comes from, and then um, I, I become aware that uh, it's uh, dissatisfaction or dukkha and that it comes from, you know, uh, aversion or a desire for things being different. So, you know, I want things to be different, and that's my realization. And then I, uh, after that, I basically. Uh, pay attention to that and, and accept how things are, the, the source of my pain or my suffering, that's the way it is. So then I become, I accept that, but I know that that pain is not going to go away. I can be aware with the nature and, and I, I realize that uh, it's impermanent, that it changes, that that it's not a solid thing, but I know the pain is not going to go away. In, in this case, it's related to my child and his suffering, so I know the pain is there. So um, it's very hard for me to, because uh, I know he said that it's all cause and effect and the mind is doing its thing, but in this case, um, and that the pain is there and it's uh, basically part of human existence and, and we all have that. 
but um, it's very hard to become detached from that, uh, and you know, and, and from that pain, because I know it's there and it, it will be there. I'm, I'm accepting it, and I can see it and feel it. But that's as much as I can do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that to object you your ตัวอ่ะตัวอยู่ถึงแล้วตัวอืมตัวอยู่ ตีเลยบ่เลยตูแลกขันเนี่ยเนี่ยดังนั้นดีวนแนมูจองผิดแต่สิกะเสียดุขะเอ่อปี都卡里呀吧都卡皮拉都都都卡里呃都都卡马皮色一种咯 แล้วคําไม่ชูเลยลูกเปียวล่ะแล้วคําไม่ตูชูเลยดีหาเราตูลงแต่ถ้าแม่นตูดีหาเปียวตัวมาไม่ห่มหูลงแล้วแล้วค
Didn't you? Some thoughts are very subtle, much in our subconscious, and it may not be able to possible. It may not be possible to see them right away, so it's fine. But If there was no thinking in the mind at all, uh, in a, an emotional sense, then there would be no emotions. There would only be the functional thoughts, and all we would be is neutral and functioning on a general level. ตัวเองก็เอาฟีลิ่งก็ชื่อเปียวบ่เนาะอันนั้นเนี่ยเปียวบ่คุณน่ะเลยถ่าอืมโอ้ไอ้ฟีลิ่งชื่อว่าปา
like an organized crime, you know, they're <laughs> how they operate. <laughs> yeah. Then once he understood the way they worked, then they didn't have that power over him because he knew what routes they were taking. Then they couldn't take those routes anymore. And and that slowly led him out of that. kind of answered some of the question I had, which was in regards to being present and the, is there a difference between being present with thoughts here and now and then working, or I should just say I was wanting Sayadaw to speak on the subject of just being present here and now and then also on working with these thoughts that are pervasive and have some motion or sticking power to them. So, he, so you want him to well, say a bit more? No, it seems to me that the important thing is to be present and it's these thoughts, these sticking thoughts that have emotion attached to them yeah. that do get in the way of being fully present at times. เออเปียวเนี่ยเนี่ยเนี่ยพูดน้าเลยเลยเลยโหอะตวยผิดตายติบัวเราตูน้าเลยเลยแต่แม้จะชั่วตวยเนี่ยเนี่ยเอ่อ
as well, and it can come in different ways over time, more and more. Each time we have a glimpse or an insight into that nature, he says, it becomes easier to bring that initial insight into bear on the experience and our view towards the experience. And so the awareness can work together with that insight. You can apply the insight through your awareness. Mm -hmm and then hopefully build more insights again. Hmm. Once you have an insight, yeah. When he said borrowed, what does he mean by borrowed? <laughs> <laughs> initially, the, because it's just... The process? No, initially, because you just hear about the concept of this, you know, you apply this... This practice. This knowledge that yeah. This is just nature. That's sort of theoretical, right? What he means by borrowed is it's theoretical. It's not just our use, own understanding. Yeah. yeah. Apply yeah. yeah. so to the So we just apply some theoretical understanding. Deeply, but we don't understand it deeply. But we we hope to apply it enough times and then learn enough that actually we have. Then we own it. Insight and insight. Yeah. yeah. Then we own it. Yes, once you have an insight or you own it, he says then every time you observe your experience, you can bring that insight into your awareness and see the things in that light, always. Yeah. It becomes natural to you to see that that is how things are. If I happen to be in a situation where I feel a strong emotion, like fear, let's say, yeah. I was wondering how do we deal with it, you know? Like even if I know it's not my fear, it's only fear, it's, it's tough to convince myself that it's not mine, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm wondering what do we do, you know? ပလိုလောအောင်မလဲလို့သူစဉ်းစားတယ်ဘာဆိုတော့ဟိုတူကိုသူဒါအကြောက်စိတ်ပဲငါးအကြောက်စိတ်လို့ပြောပြီးမ
difficult emotion when it's in its infancy and not what? and not have to only notice it when it's like in your face yes <laughs> yes it's too late <laughs> so he says so when you build this continuity initially maybe you can't see it very quickly but it if you persist, then eventually it helps you to be able to see it sooner and sooner, and then to catch it soon enough that you can see the minor things that, that it does, you know, as I mentioned, the roots that it takes, so that you can stop it running out into the, into the common or something like that, yeah. Um, but if the practice isn't that skillful yet, and you're not able to catch it in its, you know, when it's still, manageable. Then he says, okay, you're, you have this huge fear now and it's really difficult to work with it. He says, don't look at it. Don't observe it directly. You have to strategize. So use a neutral object. Take something that's not scary and use that to ground, ground the mind. Number one. If it's possible, don't come back to the fear yet because that's just going to feed more reactions. Yeah. So use what is safe and grounding to build up momentum and awareness. Yeah. In you know when we have difficult emotions like particularly things like fear or or even others, he says, when there's wrong view, like not right, right understanding of mm -hmm. the nature of this thought or identification with it um, and so on, um, any sort of wrong view, he says, then just when you view it, it just um, sort of magnifies the, the difficult emotion and then you get overwhelmed. So, yeah, so the, the more you observe it, the worse it gets actually <laughs> because there's no possibility of even applying right view because wrong no, right view is an operation. Right view, I'm, yeah, so if there's no understood I, right view, I'm it's not present, possible to work with it. I'm present feeling in the right view, so when there's unpleasant and difficult emotion, if, if, um, if there is no owned right view, there's only borrowed right view, he says it's not possible to actually go head on, yeah, it just makes it worse. So you have to, um, you have to retreat, you know, to something safe first. And over the course of practice, he says, um, if it becomes possible for your mind to even think of those difficult emotions in a playful way, to think about them in the sense of like experimentation. I'd like to know exactly how this works and maybe mm -hmm. try to peek at it mm -hmm. to see how it's, you know, what it's doing in its room by itself, you know, and, you know, from a safe distance. So that sort of interest will also afford you the possibility of observing it without being overwhelmed by it. Yeah. 
When you take that playful attitude, you're slightly you're thinking of it as something else. And then again, you've taken out the the identification a bit, seeing it as something with its own um, character, its own personality, its nature, you know. Yeah, so that yeah. When he was depressed, he had one question for himself. And that was his investigation every time he looked at, looked at that feeling. It was, why on earth am I feeling this way? Why is the mind suffering? <laughs> Um, and he looked at it for years, but that was his question for himself. I the mind cannot help me. So then, then over the years, he saw so many things about why the mind is unhappy. I love the thing I you me and he said when he understood that much about why the mind or how it makes itself unhappy, then it was very difficult to become unhappy. <laughs> That's why he says we must practice to know, to understand. So we're not observing things to get over them, you know, we're not observing things so that we get a better state of mind, you know, it's not to create <coughs> from now, not to get rid of what is now, um, it's to learn about what this is. He says, actually, if you really think about it, it's these difficult emotions that are the interesting ones. Like a horror movie. Like a horror movie. Watch a horror movie, and they don't show you the the monster or the you know it's just some presence, yeah. and you know they don't show it to you, and you're scared, and they don't show it to you, and finally when you can look at it in the face, it's not even scary. I have another question. Um, is there a, a danger? I mean, I'm. How, with non-identification, yeah. how do you uh, don't go all the way into detachment and not, um, you know, like... Or not caring. Yeah. Uh, non-identification. Nga mahou fu lo. Nga mahou fu lo. Elo tain. Oh, the power of it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
ตะลุผิดตัวเปียวเปียวบ่ผิดอ่ะบลุลวงแล้วบ่ขอเลยไอ้เวสนาดิตะเมียอุปขันเนี่ยอุปขายะหัวอ่ะบ่นั่นเก
when the mind cannot accept it that way, it's it doesn't help to force that into the mind. It's better to accept what the mind is actually doing. So if the mind thinks this is mine, then okay, this is what the mind is thinking. He says he had a yogi once who came and in those days he used to say, see that, you know, recognize that a thought is a thought. It's not my thought, it's just a thought. And he said, and the, the yogi said, I can't do that. It is my thought. It's clearly my thought. <laughs> you know? So he said, um, but thought is nature, he said. And the yogi said, yeah. So he said, then just do that. Forget about not my thought. Just thought is thought and thought is nature. That's enough. It's all different facets of the same. So thing. in that respect, everything is nature. Yes. Right. That's what he's saying. Yes. yes, that's what he's saying. Nature is nature. Nature process. He explained what nature is. Nature means that it has its causes and its effects, and it's a natural process. Yeah. Thank you. Um, could, could you talk a little bit more about how to sustain practice, continuity, and momentum? Because I'm, I'm finding that uh, a certain amount of resistance to that, maybe. Resistance as in you don't want to make it continuous or you find it difficult to make it continuous? Find it difficult, yes. Okay. And, um, เออเอาว่าจริงจริงๆกูติไฟไม่ใช่เลยกูจริงๆอยู่ในลานในลานในใต้ในใต้ในใจดําใจดําผิดทางเนี่ยแต่บ่าวว่าผิดบ่อยแ
that that is resisting the awareness because um, awareness is a new state of mind that you're bringing to the mind. And we're, what we're trying to do in practice is replace that chain of unskillful uh, moment after moment and replace it with more moments of skillful mind. And um, so until the skillful means and methods gain their own momentum, it will feel like an uphill climb. Sandra says, all of us get angry to some degree or another. Why is it some people seem to be more aversive than others? Little things annoy them, cause them to cause outbursts. Why? Why does someone else not feel angry about the same things that this person finds incredibly difficult to deal with? So if you look at a person like that, he says, what this person has done is allowed themselves to find things annoying, then given themselves license to always be annoyed about it. They've practiced it a lot. <laughs> they don't realize the extent that in the beginning they may not be so annoyed, they might be a little annoyed, but when they practice a lot, then the moment they have a trigger, then the, the power of the annoyance goes from zero to a hundred very quickly because they've practiced it so much. So, say it about what? Habit is second nature. So habit is second nature. So whatever the mind lets itself practice, that's what becomes second nature to the mind. Right? Yeah. I had that experience earlier today. Right. I I also think there's a there's a habit. Particularly in our culture of, of wanting to be absorbed to, and the practice as you're teaching it is the opposite of that. Um, and to some degree, some of the training I had in the past was about becoming absorbed as you taught in, um, in the object. But the whole culture is geared, you get absorbed in work, you get absorbed in entertainment and yeah. music and movies, and you get this habit of. When you when when you're suffering, the habit is to want to become absorbed, and I found, even though that as I practiced more, tried to practice more continuity of awareness, and with that with a light touch, as you say, so that I don't get tired, I still have this habit of even though I'm not tired, saying, gee, I need a rest. Sorry, I just, the last bit didn't quite go through me. Okay. He's saying, so you're saying that 
the mind gets tired because it thinks it's not possible. So it thinks I need to rest and stop being aware for a while. Yeah, it it it, it isn't that I'm actually tired. I, sometimes it it is, but I'm finding that it's more mental. That it's not. I don't. Really it's it's some concept that the mind is right, holding. Right. How is but that related to the absorbing? I think I because a, the habit, mm. at least my habit, I think it's very general in the culture, is that yeah. you you need you need a break. Uh, you're uh, in work, for example, in work. Uh, so whatever you absorb yourself in, you always think you need a break from it for it to be healthy. Well, also that the break is an absorption. <laughs> the absorption is the break. The absorption is the break. That um, that you, for example, the way you can get through work is by becoming absorbed. You just kind of go. You get yeah. in a zone. Yeah. You know. Um, and then, and then it, your recreation is an absorption. It's a way of zoning out. Right. And so what happens when you get absorbed in awareness? No, you don't get absorbed in awareness. Okay. It's the opposite. Right. It's the opposite. So, so there's a feeling that you need to take a break from awareness. To get absorbed in something else? Yes. Oh. Even though... <laughs> <laughs> ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไม่ได้ไ
is if we, and that's why he says not to focus, because focus tends to cause us to get absorbed in something. He says when we focus on things, then the habit of bringing a defilement into the work of throwing ourselves into something is, is to use a defilement. So then we focus and then the defilements come into play because that's the habit of the mind. Yes. But the nature of wisdom is a very, um, is, is a more backed up view where it sees what's happening so it, it knows the picture. It sees the different interactions. It's more backed up and more distant. And, and not so... Yeah, whether you call it an overview or stepped back, it's not so like your face is stuck in the pie. It's like you can see the pie. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure that helped. <laughs> ตุ๊ดตัวอคุญยะล่ะเราไม่ได้จะเอาเลยแล้วตุ๊ดสัสสัยเป็นมันเลยรู้เถอะอาจารย์เลยส่วนนี้ตัวตะดิแล้วลู
He says, if you feel tired, you must stop. Right practice with the Right practice builds gradually and it's just a very gentle, steady increasing of awareness and doesn't feel tiring. But the longer you remain aware, the, the more strengthening it feels and if it's more light, like practice. More freedom, so, yeah, so he, that's why, yeah, as he said. Energy You feel more and more energized from the practice, but if you are feeling deflated, there is some wrong practice going on. Too much energy is being exerted, he says in the beginning, this is a very common thing, that we don't know how much energy is just enough to be aware. Um, and we tend to just put in a, a, even slightly a bit too much and that will lead to some tiredness at some point. And he says we need to, to learn to recognize the energy we're putting in and tune it and see what will just keep us going without hitting a wall at some for yogis who, who uh, particularly as in this retreat where you are trying to be continuously mindful day and night, night to day, day to night, um, it, if a yogi is putting in too much effort, usually they, they start to feel it in the evening, you feel like you're crashing. He says, then you have to charge your batteries. He says, then do lying down meditation. Thank you. He says, there was a, a monk at the center. He, he talked about this difficulty about crashing, you know, every now and again. He asked him, to watch the energy he's using. Because when you watch the energy, you're being mindful as well. Watch the energy he was putting into the practice, and then he found that he went the whole day. Check, and check, no okay. So it's just checking, checking every now and again to see whether he's getting tense or whether he's still relaxed. Yeah. The children are short on the short end. Tension will be a little short on the middle of the deal. Yeah, he's come across yogis who don't even know how to relax. They have some, they carry so much tension. They don't know any other state. Does it does it help to combine with vipassana with shamatha to to gain some relaxation when you get to that point? 
You can judge your own circumstance and see what's more beneficial in the moment and use what is best for that time. Uh, in your book, you speak about concentration practice and how uh, concentration without wisdom can actually intensify things and make them worse, like anger. And I've definitely experienced that before. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit more to that. จะมาดีไงเนี่ยมาบ่าวเนี่ยมาบ่าวเนี่ยโกโกผิดเทหารีปูซูละจัดเตอุปมาตัวอะไรตัวเล่นเนี่ยที่ตัวจะมาดีไ
Shock? Shock, yeah. He says then that yogi might need shock therapy. <laughs> 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 Energy, yeah, yeah. No one can Too much energy, cannot control. I'm going to ask you how the blue one is. That's why he's very worried about yogis putting in too much effort or focusing too hard or getting absorbed. When there's too much concentration, he says the mind can just have a thought, just a tingling thought, he says, and and it just it'll just blow up that into a visual, you know, and, and it'll leave it completely, you know. Like it could be a whole it could be a tiger in front of you, a mountain tumbling down on you. He had a yogi. His mind thought had a vision had a vision of himself somersaulting and he did a somersault in the... He did a forward roll in the Dhammahal. <laughs> 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 just from sitting, suddenly he just did a forward roll. It's just a thought. It was just a thought. And, and the body just filled with it. That's how much power the mind has in a concentrated state. <laughs> He said it could be quite useful if he was learning Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) Any more of the original eight? So how do you practice just the right amount of energy and not get too much samadhi? (laughs) To laid back. You make mistakes. <laughs> 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 your experience will teach you. You have to learn from your experience. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like riding a bike, learning to ride a bike. Initially, you just, you know, fall off the bike. When you become really good at it, you can ride without your hands. So, you will notice yourself feeling more tired or drifting off into mindlessness and and then you have to then notice how much awareness you are having, how much energy you are having, how much interest you are having and then and then try to remember those conditions and when something was what, try again, try again. And always remembering those conditions and try again until you find it. Unfortunately, this is, nothing, this is not something that anyone can coach you from, even your side. You know, it's something you really have to learn on your own. Anybody else in the initial group? Mm, all done? Um, I don't have a question per se. I mean, I, I can I don't know, share my experience, but... Yeah. Um, first of all, I also want to uh, 
Thank you very much I, for uh, all your books and teachings, which have been very impactful. Um, I guess on this question of um, continuity of awareness, uh, even though we know it doesn't actually take any energy um, or shouldn't, um, <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, to sort of say, you know, for me to sort of say to myself, you know, tomorrow from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed, I'll maintain, fall asleep, I'll maintain continuous awareness is maybe not an attainable goal immediately. Um, so what I've been doing so far, I mean, it's early in the retreat, I've been trying to conserve uh, what momentum I do have for the uh, periods outside of the formal sitting or walking meditation. I've mm -hmm. been trying to maintain continuous awareness during the non walking, non-sitting periods, figuring the walking and sitting takes care of itself a little bit, at least. Yeah. Um, and it's been amazing. It's been pretty spectacular to um, see um, all, all kinds of things. You know, you were talking about the, proce the process of what comes before. Yeah. So the process of what it is that makes me decide I need to turn around halfway out the door to go back to my room to get the thing that I really <laughs> yeah. need in the first place. And so, so because that, I guess, unstructured part of the retreat is more... Yeah. Yeah. He says, bring it with you into the toilet. No. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. So it's, um, it, it, is, it's, it seems to be a more attainable goal, and the, the benefits are clear and immediate because there's just so much crazy stuff um, going on when you're, you know, when you're not sitting and not walking. I, yeah. It's been tremendous. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He said that, you know, your, your idea about conserving the energy, the momentum from your sitting and walking and just trying to maintain it as much as possible in the non-structured time is a great idea. He says that's all you need. And, um, yeah, all we need to do is maintain those new qualities we already have. เออตัวเอ็นโดโลดอฮุดเดชิงโกอะโจชิเดมีเนตีโลยาเรกูอุซึเปียวเรอโปรเซสเอลโลเบตูตะคูโลโลทั่วตัวเรอปิโรเซก
all sorts of situations, you know, our minds just do, as you say, crazy things, you know, changing all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have a question about um, a dimin like if you have a defilement, uh, like aversion or anger, and the difference between diminishing it versus eliminating it. Like in on Sayadaw's book, he talks about being at work and being very angry and kind of needing to do triage or emergency care on it and just like looking at it, and that would diminish it. But then over time, your goal is to really have that aversion. <coughs> and what's the what's the you know, bridge of getting from that kind of emergency care and just diminishing it versus actually getting rid of it. Hmm? So, that, so that the defilement doesn't arise. You're saying the goal is to get rid of it. That's... It's inside. Um, เฉชิชู่เลยโลอุซินเปียวเลยเนาะเฉชิญยอดตัวเลยอธิชู่เลยสรุปแล้วเราเนาะเราเนาะเนาะเราเนาะเราเนาะเราเนาะเราเนาะ
through that for a day and a half, two days, and get to a place where then I would start Vipassana, this, which I think might be Samatha. I don't know all my yeah. words. So where, where you're just recognizing, you know, acknowledging what's arising as it arises and what fades. Um, I guess I'm wondering where there's rip, if there's any room for that samadhi, I guess, because I, so I, I understand that it just flattens everything out, and that's not necessarily what we want, because we understand the nature of things, but it also brings, it allowed me to get to a place of such acute awareness and mindfulness, I think, yeah. that at least so far I haven't with this practice. Maybe that's just continuing, you know, that we're still very early in the retreat and continuing to do this, but I mean, there is a certain agitation and there is a certain kind of unwieldiness um, mm -hmm. through this practice. And so there's, you know, something I miss about the other practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, I was sitting earlier, I think right before we came in here, and there's, you know, like a thought came up and I was like, get out, you know, like I pushed it out of the way. Like I almost missed that other practice being like feeling the pull of a thought and then resisting going that way because it, I feel like stabilizes the mind quicker. Um, would you recommend using that technique in some instances in order to get to that point where this continuous awareness can be more effective, or would you just throw that away? So, if you are ตัวตะเกรอะหลุญญีลาเรกขามาตะมาดิผิดลาบิซวยตะติยะรอปูก้าวเลยตะลุเวเรปูก้าวลาเรปะลอกดอกก้าวเลยซวยไอ้ฉ
open to, you know, whatever experience comes in will be known by you and you will have to deal with it or allow yourself to experience it and be aware of it. He says he does want to he does want to speak about, you know, quiet mind and unquiet mind. He says the general tendency is that when the mind is quieter or there's better samadhi, the mind attaches to it. And when the mind is not so quiet, there is not so much samadhi, the mind doesn't like that experience. Um, but in fact, these two states are the same. They're both <coughs> states of attachment. Attachment to aversion and attachment attachment to greed. So there is no middle way here. It's an attachment to one state. Or yeah. So if it's nice, we like it. If it's not nice, we won't like it. So there is no middle way. There is no being with the experience with that condition. But quietness is also something that we can be aware of. It's an object. An unquiet mind is also an object and something we can be aware of. Then you're in the middle way. Say that again, please. Quiet mind is an object and something that you can be aware of. An unquiet mind is also an object and something that you can be aware of. So from the point of view of something being an object, they are equal. But that's an understanding, that this is just an object. So all objects are equal. He says, if we think that it's better to practice when the mind is quiet, then we will always find it difficult to practice when the mind is not quiet. Then we're kind of at a disadvantage. So are you saying that when I practiced samadhi and got to what I thought was a, a state of stability and acute mindfulness or there was some attachment. it wasn't necessarily because it was conditioned on certain conditions being in place. And so that could have fallen apart really quickly. Well, this practice, I guess, oh, uh, you? trains you for stability of mind under so if there is the ability to have that right view, yes, then you can So when there's right view and continuity, the mind always Siano says when we give ourselves conditions to um, support practice very finely so that we can quickly, quickly 
gain states of calm or subtle awareness or whatever. He says that we quickly gain it and we can as quickly lose it. What he wants is for people, it's like, you know, he doesn't want a haystack on fire. He wants like a glowing ember. We go very slowly, but it's growing. All you're doing is maintaining continuity, being patient, having right view, and it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows, because if you do something continuously, it grows. And then he says, but the, the thing is that because of the way it's sustained, then even if you lose it, you lose it very slowly as well. So, so because of the way the power is built, that's the way it has to be lost. Then you find that you don't just use mindfulness. When you make the effort to calm the mind down, then it's your effort. Yes, you make the effort, that's your goal, that's what you get. But when you do a practice like this, then you can't make the mind calm because that's not your intention. So, but what you do is work at the conditions of right view, continuity, mindfulness, and so on. But there is always an effect to every cause you put in. And the effect of those, those inputs is that your mind will become stable. It will become like a rock. It will gain clarity. And that's not your effort. You didn't set out to get that. It came naturally because that's the cause and effect process. He has seen yogis even practicing the way he says, you know, they gain they they gain some you know, some amount of stability, they go they go home and maybe they don't practice. And when they come back, they want to start again where they left off, even though they didn't continue practicing. Then they, then they have a lot of dukkha because there's a lot of expectation. They spin round and round trying to get things and yeah, it gets very difficult. Could you talk about the difference between samatha and um, continuous awareness? The matanic, the disasadana. In Samatha as well, there is continuous awareness. The only thing is that there is only one object of attention. In Vipassana, there is continuity of awareness, but you don't choose the object. That's all. It's all fixed. It could be whatever comes up. There's not a primary, so in some there's a primary object while one... The primary changes. object can be different at different times. Okay, changes. Yeah. yeah. And in Samatha, the, the object, like right off, you know, it's, um, it's a concept. เวปัตตนาญาปรมาสุรปรมากะตัวญาณญาณะสุรตัวญาณญาณญาณญาณผิดนี่เนาะตัวตะคุเรจิโนเนี่ยตะนิกะตะมาดีมาปรมาโกช
we start off and all the things we observe maybe concepts but um, what insight you know when there's a vipassana insight then then what is known understood is reality and at that time in the arising of insight and all you know you'll notice that what happens is a series of things it, it happens very quickly in the mind the mind is not trying to grasp onto any of it and then the insight unfolds and um, and none of that is based on concentrating on anything you know it's just this awareness that just allows itself to experience the insight, I think you might say. I think this, um, he mentioned the word kanika samadhi. Kanika samadhi is momentary concentration. And momentary concentration is just the amount or concentration necessary to be able to know that moment. So just that much stability to be able to recognize that moment of experience. So that's really, it's not a tall order sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I have a question about um, momentum and like when we're here and in seclusion, we have a lot. I mean, we can work, you know, at this, you know, all the time. Um, but then when you go out into the regular world or other people who don't have the opportunity to be here, you know, how do we maintain or how do people build that momentum in the midst of everyday life when there's just so much bombarding you and you don't have, um, like, the benefit of seclusion? Awarema. Momentum will look taint up, never saw a demar of what a colon. Go on, go ahead, 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 they create their own, maybe just be mental seclusion, you know, not physical. Um, so it depends on how much the person values the Dharma, which again depends on how much the person understands the Dharma. Because that wisdom feeds into its own prioritization. So it's only when we practice that much that we can understand the value of it, you know, and, and then the mind will want that more than than anything else. So in a time yet to go. 
I think I'm a It's just for a lot of people, it's only when they're in continuous difficulty, like depression or something, something that's like pervasive in your mind, then you have to be pervasively aware of it. He says, How hard do we make effort when we're really down? We make, yeah, so that we can understand that. But ultimately, it's about wisdom. Um, understanding how valuable the practice is to have of its own right, whether we are in a good state or not, that the presence of the practice itself is far more beneficial. He says, in the beginning, we have to take care of the Dharma. We have to nurture it. We have to practice it. We have to grow it in our lives. We have to cultivate it. And then he says, when we've taken care of the Dharma for a long time and it's grown big enough, it will take care of us. Yeah. Yeah. Then, he says, then at that point, the Dharma has grown. It will take you by the hand and it will lead the way. I know and he and says, Till then, he says, you have to make an effort. He says Vipassana is not a short-term project. <laughs> it's, it's, some, it's a practice that you have to take to your deathbed. He says, so we're going to practice two weeks now. We might go for a one-month retreat, two-month, three-month retreat. And he says, you know what the defilements say? Okay, have your day. <laughs> he says, when you come home, I'll get you. Speaking about, but also pertains to that question that this gentleman over here discussed in terms of uh, when he said he needs a break and wants to. I, I look at it when I need a break, I might say, Well, I want to be entertained now. Whichever kind of activity might do that. But really, what I see is that this is a process that can be applied to my whole life. I don't have to just be sitting. But it's easily brought to those places that when I'm inter being entertained, it may change what entertains me, but um, it's something that seems to be, for me anyway, pretty easily integrated into all aspects of my life. And so it doesn't need to be looked at that I have to put out this huge effort to sit yeah. because it's with me at all times. The awareness. The awareness can be with me at all times, yes. no mm. matter what I'm doing, Correct. by just seeing it clearly. Yes. Sorry, I don't understand what you're trying to say. 
you, you started off saying that I don't it, it's it's not like I have to look at it as two separate things yes. practicing yes. And, and doing other activities yes it's not two separate it's all one thing yes. yeah what right yes other uh, people do that more. it's just because of the example you gave that I think I got so you're saying that just as in in the past I might look at it as being have to put out this a uh, lot of energy yes change something radically by sitting and doing this process mm -hmm. yes. when really you don't it, have to sit you could carry the awareness well that's that's what the idea is isn't it? yeah that is the idea I'm trying to relate it back to the uh, to the example that you gave in the beginning you said that it's like all our activities at home. No, I'm saying. I mean, I, I just was life, looking at it in terms of what that gentleman said about needing to take a break. Yes. And you said something about being entertained. Yeah, that's the idea of, of needing to take a break. Is so you're saying entertain yourself with awareness. Pardon? So you're saying bring the awareness to the entertainment. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't have Bring to be it. different. So when you're what? resting, when you're taking a break, take a break with awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So why not? Teach it. I come on now. the body, the body, I take a shower. I come on. I'm not allowed. I'm. Uh, you know, I'm not allowed. 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 I'm the Chania Male, the Ditana, and so on. Who could now wrestle at the dinner novel? The Ero Babello look at the pure pure wrestle at the dinner, Ero Pata Jim Hope, in the dear. Right. I don't know. 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 I don't yeah. Rest from the defilement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, in your earlier teaching, um, I think the, uh, the easy way for to recognize a wrong view mm -hmm. early in the stage, so that when it's accumulating to anger or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, if you look if you look at it from the earlier. If you know it's a wrong view, how do you deal with that? What kind of methods and mechanisms that you use in order to either to detach or or take care of that? Mm -hmm. When you see the defilement early in its stages, like it's a baby, and you see it, then you really don't want it to disappear. You want to investigate it. <laughs> you want to learn about it. You don't want to let him out of your sight. Don't kick the ball away. Yeah, because only when you let it be and you investigate it, you walk around it, you look under it, you look on top of it, you look into it, then you will understand its nature. There are many ways to make it go away right away, but it will keep coming back. 
But if you understand it, then it will have less power over you. Right? Once you have right view on it or right understanding about it, then it cannot overpower you anymore. It can be there, but it will not disturb you. It will not have power over you, it will not overwhelm you because you understand it for what it is. I don't know at all. Right viewness, awareness, and effort to do something. So if you can, you see it when it's small, you use right view and start practicing and watch it continuously to understand it. To understand it. ชีกาวิปัสสนาโพตะชีมายาชีกาวิปัสสนาโพตะนาโพตะนาโพตะเอ่อมะจาวิปัสสนาโพตะนาโพตะนาโพตะนาโพตะนาโพตะนาโพต
Anybody else want to speak? It's three minutes to. <coughs> Just one more clarification. Yeah, um, yeah. In, when you mentioned on the first day that uh, you keep your eyes or wisdom eyes open, what do you mean like keep the eyes open when you meditate? <laughs> he said keep your eyes open when you meditate. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It would be good if both were present. Yeah, he said he wants us to be able to practice with our eyes open. So we can, you know, practice choicelessly. Otherwise, we have to choose one over another because we are not skillful in another. So we have to make ourselves skillful in what we're not. So you catch whatever coming into your eyesight and go from there. A single I object in the object is is the I see something that's an object. Not seeing things, not seeing. But when there's light, you can see. So that's seeing. That's if you close your eyes, you can't see. You know, but you can see. But the eye is just one door. The other five doors, you can still. Yeah, you can practice all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even if you close your eyes, you can still pick up things or pick up objects. Yes. Uh, he's just saying that people are generally not used to practice with their eyes open. And he's not talking about sitting meditation. Even at oh, other times, you should be aware of seeing. I was thinking about sitting meditation. Sitting also in You can also do it in sitting meditation. But he's saying that in general, we should be more aware of seeing. He says if you're a shopkeeper, then you can't. You want to practice meditation, you can't close your eyes. <laughs> then the thieves will take all your things away. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.